Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Today, we have Jennifer Ludington. She is a premier weight loss, fitness, and wellness coach with over 13 years of experience and over a thousand clients, including high performers, men and women, high achieving professionals and CEOs. She's really committed to supporting her clients and staying and living on their business and leadership edge. And we're going to talk to her about so much more, uh, her experience with being in the bubble and kind of ruining one's health and body and uh, appetite and all sorts of issues by going down a conventional route. Um, we're going to talk a lot about body image and everything related to diet and exercise and all of the traps we fall into. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Elle. I'm so happy to be here. I appreciate you having us. So tell us your story. How'd you even get involved in fitness? And then tell us the extreme to which you ultimately then took it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this. I think it's so important um, for women to just really open up about this. But yeah, you know, people sometimes think I've always been you know, into fitness. And honestly, like I wanted to be an attorney. <laughs> um, I didn't go looking for fitness, though. Like it found me. And unfortunately, I was stuck in a very abusive marriage. Um, and I felt like I was suffocating. And I felt like I just didn't have a voice. And I found fitness. And fitness really supported me and really empowered me to truly kind of unlock my own voice and free myself of this kind of gnarly relationship that I was in. And um, I started down that road and it was amazing. It was empowering. Like it really just helped me break free of this marriage. So I left my husband with a baby on my hip um, and I just went down this road of fitness and health. And um, it was incredible. I opened my own gym and um, really just started to inundate myself with, with fitness. And during that, like it became really beautiful for me to help pull women forward and and allow them to empower themselves. And I just felt like the heavier they, the heavier the things they picked up in the gym, it's like the heavier things they could carry. Right? It was really cool. And um, during that process, it just got it got really different as I kind of went down the road. And as I got more fit, as I stood on more stages, I was um, a national level bikini competitor and figure competitor for years. And as I stood on those stages, I started to notice that um, I was attached to this image, right, of fitness perfection that we're inundated with in our culture. And I was so attached to it that it became almost my armor. Um, I felt like I wouldn't be questioned or, you know, my credibility in the industry wouldn't be questioned if I looked a certain way all the time. Like it was attached to this six pack. <laughs> um, Which you and definitely it, and had. I mean, your competitive body is really kind of what people, um, not like crazy bodybuilding, right? But a, a level down from that where you see that and you're like, wow, that's magazine cover worthy. I mean, you were at that level. It it just, it it's a lot to get there. Yeah, it was, it was obsessive and it, it got to the point where I was not only dieting, like the culture tells us to, or eating six times a day. And it was like lettuce and white fish, right? Just nasty tilapia, um, just uneducated, just doing what I needed to do in order to keep that image up. But it also became attached to like my ability to take care of my daughter. So it also became like this, okay, if I don't look this way, if I don't always, you know, you know, 
have a six pack at all times and I'm not worthy of, you know, creating more clients for myself or, you know, growing my business and that maybe I would lose my income. So it became this really nasty feedback loop. And it got to the point where I was not only over exercising, I mean, and when I say over exercising, Elle, it's not like, oh yeah, I went to the gym twice a day. This is not what I mean. It was get up hot yoga, run for an hour and a half, lift weights for an hour and a half. And then at night, go back to the gym, you know, for, for more cardio, literally daily with no break. I just want to jump into a lake right now hearing that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. And, um, it, it, it was taking over my life. It was stealing my memories. I, I wasn't even, I wasn't even like committed to my daughter. And I hate even saying that. Like that's the, a mom's worst nightmare. But I would literally, I remember, I'll, this is a horrible thing for me to admit, but I remember I missed my daughter's first gymnastics meet. My mom was there and I wasn't because I was at the gym. And like, I missed so much of that. And I mean, as a mom, I mean, I know other moms out there are just thinking, how could you do that? Well, it was an obsession. It, it became an obsession. It's an addiction, right? It would be almost like something else, although perhaps your brain isn't impaired, but I guess we could say maybe you were somewhat oh, impaired. Yeah. 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 And and at that point, I started to go down this road of, you know, I thought that if I ate anything, it was going to change my body and I couldn't let anything change my body. And so I, I began not only over exercising to that degree where, you know, my entire body was breaking down, but I was also not eating. I mean, I would go through these cycles of, I would starve myself and then I would binge eat and the binge eat would turn into bulimia and I would shove my fingers down my throat and make myself vomit and then go through that cycle again because I was so afraid that the food would change my body. Um, Even though I knew logically, like I had the knowledge, I had all the education, all the knowledge to know, right. Logically that that wasn't the case. Right. But, but I was so committed to this fitness perfection image and this obsession I had that I didn't care. It didn't matter. I just kept going down that road Um, until finally my body just really started giving me feedback that I could no longer avoid or, you know, ignore. And, um, you know, I, I have to say this too, there was a moment which kind of shifted me, which wasn't only my biomarkers and my blood work, but it was a moment when my young daughter and, you know, she might've been seven, L, maybe, maybe eight. And at that time I was still a single mom and she sat across the table from me. And here I am thinking I'm teaching my daughter how to be healthy, right? Exercise and, and don't eat crap. And, uh, she looked across the dinner table from me, Elle, and she said, Mommy, it still chokes me up. She said, Mommy, have you ever eaten anything other than lettuce? Mm. <clears throat> so, so tough. And I, I, like in that moment, I just knew something had to give. And, um, you know, and, and we can go down this road of what happened with my you know, Western doctors and the doctors that I was going to see and what they were telling me and how they had no idea and were oblivious. To, to helping me in any way. Um, but, but when I started to really feel the effects where I was up at night, where my heart was palpitating out of my chest and I was afraid I was going to have a heart attack from overtraining. And um, the fact that I didn't sleep for days on end and the fact that my thyroid had completely diminished to nothing um, and that I had lost my cycle. I hadn't had a cycle in. It's almost 12 years that I went without a cycle out. Um, 
all of these things and Western doctors just kept ignoring it. It's like, Oh, take this. Oh, take this. Oh, take this. It was like, they were always band-aiding things for me. So I felt like, okay, well, I, I guess I'm not that bad. <laughs> I guess it's not that bad if they're telling me I'm okay. Um, and, and so it just went down this road until I was finally able to eventually break free of that. Um, what, but, what but did it, it for you? What were, what were the thoughts that were going through your head when you were like, all right, you know what? Like I have to, I have to go a different route. Yeah. Well, you know, I think like we have this, we have this idea that people don't get it. Like they don't know, like they, like we're, um, we're like hiding it. Right. When people really around us probably do know. And I remember that night that my daughter said that to me was, was number one, the first thing that sent me into, you know, really trying to get help. But the next thing was when I reached out to a close friend of mine um, and I mentioned to her that I really was struggling. She said, finally, finally, you know how, and she had known for a long time that she hadn't actually come out and, and intervened. But when I went to her, she was able to really support me. And, you know, with that realization from my daughter and then also, you know, with, with the blood work that kept dropping, I mean, my liver enzymes were crazy bad. I mean, my thyroid was, there was nothing there. Um, I was anemic. I mean, there was all these markers that were just telling me intuitively that I was sick. My hair was falling out. Like I, I literally was bringing hair out of my head from clumps. I was getting extensions. I had no eyelashes. I mean, the list goes on and on. And so even though doctors are telling me, oh, it's within normal range, just take a little thyroid, take some Synthroid, I knew something else was wrong. And I knew it was deeper than that. And I knew that I was going to really harm my body long term if I didn't stop. And so, you know, and, and night after night of going through these, you know, heart palpitations and feeling like my heart was going to beat out of my chest was scary. Um, and knowing that my daughter depended on me right? In order to be there for her was, was the main reason I wanted to, to break through and to just be free of this. And it's not always easy. I mean, I still struggle and I, I know that a lot of women do, but you know, I was used to looking like that for over 10 years. And then when you don't, and you, and you just look like a healthy person, even though the industry tells us that's not always healthy, it's hard to get your head wrapped around that sometimes. And so you know, I'm not saying that I'm completely cured of that body image issue, but I am saying that, you know, it's better. I'm able to manage it better at this point in my life. Um, and I'm able to understand that my health is far more important than having a six pack. What about satiation? I mean, now you're obviously not just eating lettuce and tilapia, right? So <laughs> your brain is being fueled, your hormones are starting, we're, we're eventually ultimately being fueled, right? Because you're now, that must have been a tough day to intentionally put fat into your life? Mm. I think that was one of the hardest things um, to to try to really put back into my body on a regular basis. I think women have, you know, the misconceptions around fat, but, you know, and I had the knowledge, Alice, like I knew what I was supposed to do, but it was still hard for me to do it because my body was changing, you know, and it was, it wasn't like I was becoming overweight, but I was, you know, I gained about 10 pounds, um, which was healthy. I needed to, um, my body was softening up because I wasn't, you know, putting as much cardio in. I was just, you know, being a normal human and doing hikes and walks with my dogs, um, and going to the gym when it felt good. And instead, you know, eating an avocado a day and, you know, making sure I was getting my coconut oil and my olive oil and, 
you know, really paying attention to getting as much fat as, as a human being needs in order to optimize health. Um, and, and at first, you know, I, I kind of felt like, I kind of felt in my core that it, it was never going to be the same. Like I felt like I was never going to look the same and I was never going to be that person again. And what was I going to do if I didn't have that identity? Like, who was I? Who am I if I'm not this body? Right. Am I worthy? Am I worth my title? Am I worth my, you know, training certifications? Am I worth all these things? Um, and I really felt like I was going to get lost there. And it took a little bit of time for me to really understand that my knowledge and my experience and everything I have to offer my clients is far more valuable than my six pack. Um, and so lucky for me, I was able to pull out of that and, you know, live this much healthier life now with much better blood work. What, what are your days like now? You know, what's your, what are your weeks like now in terms of exercise? What types do you do? What do you do differently that you definitely don't do before? I mean, we know you're not overtraining, but um, how have how has the previous experience informed you in this, you know, new part of your life? Yeah, like before, it was interesting. I was like enduring, like I was enduring all these things just to endure. Like I didn't have the knowledge. I was just enduring. And now I have endurance to actually make a positive change in my blood work and in my health. So the way that I have learned to do that is instead of forcing myself to follow a plan or a program, what I do is I, I wake up with the intention daily to move my body in a way that feels good to me. And so, you know, some days I wake up and I'm maybe I had a late night or maybe my kids were sick and I was up with them. And I'm just tired. So maybe I decide that today's a day where I might want to just do yoga. Um, or maybe I wake up and I've had a great night's sleep and I feel really good. And I feel like I want to do some hit cardio or lift some weights. Um, but I try to wake up with this idea that you know we get to decide how we're feeling. We, we don't need to push through. We don't need to just you know go and go in order to achieve something that we're not even clear on what we're after what we need to do is learn to listen to what our body is telling us and do things that we enjoy with movement and so most days it's skate skiing um it's hiking it's biking um it's it's lifting weights once in a while when i feel really good maybe two or three times a week um to stay strong for life instead of you know seeking this physique. It's really to seek my best, healthiest life and best health span. And that's what I'm committed to. And I move every day. It's just in different ways. What are, um, I mean, obviously I'm assuming your hair is not falling out in clumps at this point (laughs) or like, so what were some of the things you immediately knew as you started to progress towards health? Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, cause sometimes when you're in such a kind of crappy state for a while, um, it becomes the new norm then you get better and you're like, wow, that went away, that went away. You know, what were some of the changes? I think the number one change that I, I had no idea that I was so foggy. I, I didn't even realize how foggy my brain was and how it wasn't functioning at the optimized level. And so the first thing that I noticed was how clear I became when I started to implement and, and gain some of my health back. Um, the second thing that I noticed is <laughs> I just... I kind of got used to feeling like crap, like absolute crap 
all the time. Like I, then my norm was to wake up tired. My norm was to feel heavy all day long. My norm was to feel exhausted. Um, my norm was feeling miserable and achy and my joints ached at 28 years old, you know, 30 years old, my joints and body were aching. I mean, it was rabbit starvation, right? So um, for me, like that, that was the biggest thing was number one, the brain fog went away and I was able to think clearly and communicate effectively. And number two, I, I had no idea I could feel this good. I had no idea that you were supposed to wake up full of energy and feeling clear and, you know, productive. I didn't know that. I was um, masking all of these symptoms for so long and thinking they were normal. Um, So for me, coming out of that has been life-changing. I can play volleyball with my daughter at seven o'clock at night at the gym. Um, you know, when she's practicing, I could come home and still feel great and have energy. Um, I, I have all of these things that I used to just, you know, I never knew were even possible. And it sounds crazy from a person that's in the fitness industry, but I know there's so many women out there that are so sore the next day they can't even function in their life that they can't do the things that they want because they're pushing their body to the edge every day, that they're so tired. They don't have time for their kids. They're so tired. They don't have time to have a conversation or the bandwidth to, to fully, you know, concentrate or focus on a task. And the most powerful thing about this, Elle, is that what is so frustrating to me is that when we're stuck in this cycle, it's like it steals our light, it steals our joy, and it steals our productivity. It's like we, we can't actually do the things in life that we're supposed to do because we're so obsessed with time in the gym, what we're going to eat, when we're going to eat next, and the brain fog and exhaustion that comes along with all of that is... It's something we need to shift in our society right now. It's, it's, we're inundated with this in our culture. And I think that we really need to get out of that, um, you know, image of what fitness and health really is. It's not that, and it's not always that. And now I feel healthier and more fit than I ever have. And I'm not a size zero and I don't have a six pack, but I feel great and I'm healthy, (laughs) you know? No, I mean, and that's all that matters really is feeling comfortable in your body and your brain. And, um, you know, you're still very fit by most, you know, the, the world standards. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the overtraining is really crazy. Yeah. The chronic cardio thing that Mark really nailed many years ago used to be me as well. And everyone knows that story. Um, I've talked about it so many times, but really, I've, I've felt that pressure to work out twice a day, do this, you know, part of it was being on the wrong sugar burning paradigm, right? Or, you know, the, t- the, the chicken breast and broccoli or the, the <laughs> tilapia and lettuce or whatever it is. Um, and it breeds eating disorders because you're not getting satiated on the nutrients. So it's like this, it just, it, they both feed into each other and it really damages one's health. And it's so much more stressful. Like mm-hmm. years ago, I never would have just woken up and maybe it was tired or whatever, like you were talking about and go, you know what? Maybe just, I don't do anything today. Like I would have never even given myself the like allowance to even have such a thought. Now I do still move almost every day, but in those times I do, I I honor what I'm feeling because here's the thing, the stress of pushing through Mm -hmm. on those days, I believe is more damaging to myself. Mm -hmm. Now I know that. So I know that it's better to just take that day of rest um, and be more intuitive, right. About, about everything. And of course, being on a different paradigm, then you get your brain satiated. And if you're not doing the chronic cardio and you're good with that, and you're living that kind of, you know, primal baseline, you, you don't really crave stuff. You're not in these cycles of binging and craving and all of those types of things, you know? So it's, 
and like you said, for you and for a lot of people, it starts with achieving the ultimate body, right? And uh, for whatever reason that is, doesn't matter. Um, And that really sends us down a wrong road if we're not on the right paradigm. And the wrong paradigm is just out there and it's still being preached. And people still think that's the way to go. Luckily, over the past, you know, many years, paleo, primal, keto, low fat, high carb, whatever. I mean, high carb, low fat. Um, (laughs) Sorry, high fat, low carb. Hello. Um, Don't want to get the wrong message there. Um, That the different paradigm and the different like quality of foods and people recognizing these things, uh, so much better. The information is out there. But you and I are both victims of that pursuit and the pursuit on the wrong paradigm, which just in and of itself is like stabbing oneself. And we did, you know, that's what happens. Then you end up ruined and then you got to go through fixing it. But at least now also as well, you do have empathy. You understand what it's like to be obsessed with food. You understand what it's like to have it control you and be completely, you know, just not stop thinking about it. And, you know, that's, uh, that empathy is important as well. So I know your journey is, it's, it's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I went through that. You went through that, but you know, you have a lot to help, you know, in terms of the clients who are suffering. Totally. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is too, is like these uniform recommendations, you know, like I said, they just create these uniformly bad results. And it's because we're so, we're, we're unique. We're bio individual, right? Like for example, I have to go on the side of more protein. I can't do really keto. Like I, my body loves more protein. And so I had to learn that through really looking at my blood work, right? And that's how it's really important for me when I hold my clients accountable is that we dive deeper and and we get to get rid of these universals, right? Because these universals aren't uninformed. And instead, really looking at what's going to work for you best. And we know clearly that, you know, a lot of carbs are never going to work for anybody. But we also need to play with the fact that, okay, what actually works for you? What actually works for your body? What actually works for you and makes you feel the best? And then and then form follows function, right? When we feel our best, our, our body will follow suit. And so feeling our best is, you know, feeling our best with movement and feeling our best with what we're putting into our body and following that intuitive kind of, you know, space instead of forcing things that culture is kind of telling us. And I I mean, yes, we're getting more educated, but at the same time, there's so many women that come to me still and men that are carrying around Tupperware containers full of chicken and broccoli all day long and are eating seven times a day. Um, And for me, when I finally freed myself of that, it's like it almost cured my obsession with food when I knew, okay, my body's not going to starve. It's not going to eat its own muscle in two hours if I don't eat, right? Um, and so I think clearing that up for women too is really powerful in letting go of some of those obsessions around food is like, look, we don't need to walk around eating tasteless, bland food all day long, carrying it around in our purse, right? Or our cars, uh, we're not going to starve, right? That, that whole paradigm is ridiculous. And so I think that sharing this education with women and sharing it so that we don't have to constantly think about what we're eating next every moment of the day clears a lot of that obsession and helps us really learn what nutrition truly is and what it can do for our bodies. Um, what about, what about you as the, um, in speaking of your daughter, and yeah. obviously now she's seeing you eat more than just lettuce. <laughs> Thank God for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, how is your impression? I mean, you know, you had that day where you're like, oh my God, F me for not mm-hmm. spending, not going to my daughter's uh, event because I had to be in the gym. And what does that look like now? I'm assuming your uh, motherhood has changed dramatically and probably incredibly for the positive. 
Yeah. And yeah, I have to share this too. Not easy for me to share, but the connection, right? Between not only my daughter, but other relationships has changed. And I think we don't realize this, Al. Like when we're in that space, how connected are you really? When you're in that obsession, obsessive cycle, how, how connected are you really to the people around you? Like, how is this really affecting your relationships, not just your body, right? Because that's the thing that really shifted for me too, is I was finally able to focus on things. It was such a selfish place for me to stay, right? I was all, it was all about me and now it's all about others, right? And it's, and it's, and it's more about that connection with her. And so, yeah, my, my parenting style is completely different. Thank God. Um, and I'm super connected to not only her, but, you know, to my husband and, and our other kids. We have, I have stepkids now. And, and creating that is amazing. And so we get to be present with them and, and we're not obsessed about going to the gym or food and, and all of the things that I used to do first before I really showed up. And I, it's not easy to admit that, um, but it's true. And so I think that by me admitting that and, and women can really, and even men out there can look at what they're doing. And if they're obsessed in this fitness perfectionism, how is that impacting the people around you? You know, how is it showing, you know, your kids to eat? Is it really you know, creating an eating disorder that you don't even know you're creating in them. Um, yeah. And you know, I don't know why this just popped in my head, but the late Dr. Wayne Dyer told a story once Mm -hmm. of when he decided to quit drinking and I believe it because he has like eight kids or something. And he was saying that a bunch of them at the time, I don't know if all of them had been born yet. They were all at a restaurant and he had to like have his alcohol with, you know, dinner or whatever, but the restaurant didn't serve it. And so he literally in that moment was planning on moving his whole entire family, getting up, getting in a car, going to another, like the whole, like the whole operation of that just for the fact that he needed to drink. And he realized kind of in that moment, you know, like, Oh my God, look at, look at what I'm, sort of forcing everyone in this evening to do all the acquiesce to my addiction, really. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing too, that I want to point on also is that, you know, for me, and I know people out there can probably relate to this. I would avoid social situations. I mean, I would avoid them not only because I was, you know, I didn't want to be teased or people would poke fun at me for not being p- particular things, but I was, I wouldn't, I wasn't able to trust myself around food. I would, I would binge on food and then I was afraid I would go and, you know, make myself throw up and stick my fingers down my throat because I was so hungry all the time. And when I was around food like that, it would trigger me in these crazy ways. And I was afraid to be social because it would not only interfere with my gym workouts, but I was afraid to be around those environments. And so I I was very isolated. It was very, very lonely. And it was, it was almost like I was drowning. Um, and, and no one knew, right? I was just keeping it quiet for so long. Um, and it was... I think was, so was, many of us have felt that. And I hope yeah. if you're out there listening, like we've been there. And this mm-hmm. is this is real life. For people that are listening that have been... They, like That was so well described because that's what it's like. And, um, and you know it's you because you are obsessed. Your food and or exercise and or weight and or body image assess all in one, whatever, just any one of those parts of it. If that's you out there, you can change that. And it is hell. It's a, I remember just being in a private hell and part of mine was really, aside from the pursuit that I wanted, you were more on that track. I was really on the other side of that, of the eating disorder part of just feeling like so obsessed. I couldn't think, not think about food all day long, every minute, every plan, making deals ahead of time. Like 
that mm-hmm. was so stressful. Like when I in hindsight, I mm-hmm. am just bummed that I spent many years there and didn't know better about, uh, you know, what I should be eating and how I should be exercising together. And it was hard as hell to change it to, to like slow down and not overdo. It was so hard. Um, but it, it really did work for me. I don't have, it's, it's the most incredible freedom. And I think that's when Mark's daily apple success stories every Friday, like for years, uh, the thoroughfare is always, Mm -hmm. yeah, I lost a hundred pounds. Yeah. My eczema cleared up. Okay. All these amazing things, but they're, but the, the thoroughfare is, but the best part is, is I just, I'm not upset. Like I'm don't think about food all the time. Mm-hmm. Freedom. That's ultimate freedom. And I was entrapped in that. Just like you were explaining, it was always on my mind. Nothing else was more important than that. Nothing else. And that it, it blows me away that I wasted so many years, literally years of my life, not only in like this peak career that I was in, but with my daughter, like with people I could, I, my friendships, I, I lost friendships. I lost relationships. I couldn't connect to people because literally Al, like you're saying, it took up so much of my space, my bandwidth. Right. And, and now I'm so grateful. Just like you said, freedom, that word was so that's perfect. I, I really resonate with that feeling free of that demon of those, you know, I call them slaying your dragons, of slaying that dragon and being free of that and not being chained to that isolation that it creates has been life-changing for me. And I, I feel like, you know, my capability of what I've, my capacity and what I can, you know, do in my life is just so expansive now. Whereas before I was, I was super isolated and I didn't have you know, a community to pull me forward because I isolated myself. And so I think it's really powerful when we can talk about this openly and understand that it's not just you. Like there's lots of us out there that are going through it. We just need to talk about it so that we can pull ourselves through it. There's, yeah, there's so many people going through it. And again, you know, here's the thing too, is that uh, when you're in it, you can't see any other way out. You can't imagine a world where you're not thinking about it. So it just doesn't really make sense. All that makes sense is thinking that you're going to somehow have to sacrifice or something that's in a negative vibe because you're only thinking about the paradigm of which you're currently eating and exercising in. But once you go to a new one, right, it is a different ball game. So you can't almost reason within this false world over here that you've been going on. It, in a way, when I look back, I we think it's our fault. We think it's us. It's not. Oftentimes it's not. I mean, look, it could be blood work, right? We know there's certain things that can cause appetite issues, thyroid. Okay, there's you know adrenals. Yes. But short of that, a lot of this is unbeknownst to us, self-inflicted, sometimes beknownst to us. But once you get on the train, you are, and you're on the, you know, this wrong eating paradigm, you become a uh, often a sugar addict, right? Uh, mm-hmm. In your case, kind of binge back and forth, but restriction. Um, sometimes it's all binge and throw up, right, for people. So it's, you know, it doesn't matter what form or which way it is. It's all under the umbrella of you are constantly thinking about it. It is taking over your thoughts. And yeah. I'm here to tell you, it's absolutely so, again, like which it, it's, you can do it. 
and it's not, and it's not hard. In fact, here's what sucks. It's easy. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's what kills me about it. It's like, and that's what Mark Sisson's main message is, is why he started this podcast, right? It's, it's an, enough suffer and sacrifice. It actually doesn't have to be that way. And it makes sense ancestrally that it's not that way. Yet <laughs> We made it that way with wrong science, with wrong whatever, you know, attention to glucose, carbs, all the crazy sugar, all the stuff we know that everyone kind of already knows. But it's that it's that different paradigm. And it's just, it's amazing to me um, to be out of it. And I just know that people can get there. I mean, I really did at one point, you know, think about going to Overeaters Anonymous. I, I thought, is everyone else thinking this way? Or is this just me? I thought it was just me. I thought it was like, I was just screwed because I couldn't remember a time where I didn't feel that way. And so, because it had been so long. And to be on the other side, like, like with you, you want to just scream from megaphones from rooftops and be like, it doesn't have to be this way. <laughs> and you can yeah. still have bacon burgers and really good stuff. And you can still indulge in crazy stuff every once in a while and not have it uh, send you down a staircase into food obsession. That's right. And I love that you said it's not, it's not our fault. Like I, I want to speak into that for just a moment because, you know, there was a point where I was like, I'm a victim, but I'm also an abuser. Like I'm the abuser and the victim, right? It's like, I was abusing myself, but I was like, this is a victim. Of, and I couldn't understand how to get free of that. And so I really love that you said that because it gets to be easy. Like it gets to be easy. It's simple. And if people can have the right accountability and being be held accountable in a way that they've never been, they'll get a result that they've never had. And so for me, it's like, I, I, I train a lot of men and it's interesting because, you know, once I shifted and I work with, and I coach a lot of men because once I shifted, out of that paradigm and, and put into my framework of it gets to be simple, right? It gets to be easy. When you really look at, if you just look at your blood work and you follow that, right? You follow the blood work, you follow the health, you feel better. And it actually lines up perfectly with what we're really supposed to eat and how we're supposed to eat. And it's just a really easy shift when women and men can just wrap their head around that because we make it more complicated than it really is health. Oh, no, really. Honestly, I am so I probably have read before I, you know, met Mark and really understood this paradigm that I'm on. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's it's a blanket for a, a lot of different tangents, you know, the keto, low carb, carnivore, even um, my whole life has changed because yeah. of it for the better. And what's great is that it takes less in working mm-hmm. out in time and effort and stress in the actual moment of working out than it ever has ever. But, you know, I mean, just, I am like later years of hauling my ass up a hike as fast as I could, because I'm like trying to burn fat. No, actually, you know what? That's false. I should have just been chilling out and going under a certain heart rate. That would have burned the fat. And then I wouldn't have, you know, burn all my glucose by the time I reached the top. Damn. It took a lot to change into the, like, the harder I go, the faster I do, the more, ah. Uh, F that. Mm-hmm. F that. It was so, it, it's mentally, physically, emotionally exhausting, and it is not right. It's not right yeah. for us as humans. It really isn't. So life is more fun. And, you know, even like Mark to this day, I mean, he's, you know, sailing off into the sunset there after, you know, moving to Miami and enjoying like just the incredible like outdoor life. He's not, he doesn't do stuff that's, you know, uh, not fun. And he always talked about how, uh, I remember one of the first speeches I saw him and he was like, listen, I've done over like 250 endurance competitions and I can't tell you that I really had fun or enjoyed any one of them. <laughs> and yeah. I'm sure you would say the same thing about yeah. your getting ready to compete in a bikini, right? 
Oh yeah. That's, I mean, you know, talk about stress. I mean, let's think, oh, you're getting up there, nothing on. And then at the same time, like, oh, it was so funny. And like, this is how insane it was. I would get up there looking at my peak, like what people think is like, you know, fitness perfection. And I would still get off stage disgusted with myself, like just absolutely tearing myself apart. I was, my waist wasn't small enough. My you know, my glutes weren't big enough. My shoulders weren't big enough and just tearing myself apart. And it, it was never enough. Like it was never enough. And it was this strive and the stress of that, you know, it just exhausted me. And now being free of that, it's, it's just, like you said, it's a game changer. It changed everything for me. Well, and I challenge everyone to go look and see some photos of you that you have posted occasionally of like that former self in that competitive, you know, like headshot. Yeah. Uh, and, um, now, in knowing what we know about that state of being and where it mm-hmm. led you, uh, it is so clear how accelerated aging it is because you look so much younger than you did. And I mean, like, you know what I mean? That's the funny yeah. part about it too. And even that can even be hypothyroidism. Like when I look back when I was hypothyroid, I was like, I looked older than than I do. Like, and that was like 15 years ago where I was really in, in throes of it in, in a bad way. Um, so it's just interesting too, because it is, it's accelerated glycation, it's stress, it's mm-hmm. inflammation. There's, um, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, you're slowly dying. Yeah, you're getting older. Like as you're pursuing a thing that you think is going to at least make you appear the fountain of youth and sometimes think people think the overtraining, right? The more I work my heart, that old paradigm, like I'll just run all these miles and then this thing will keep working longer. Turns out heart doesn't actually like that. Mm-hmm. And your body does. I mean, your joints don't like it. I mean, I'm, I'll be on my, I had one knee surgery. I'm looking at might have to have another one, but it, because of me destroying my body, pounding the pavement, you know, years and years, hours and hours a day. Um, and, and I look back at pictures. It's interesting. You say that to me because I look back at pictures and I'm like, God, I, I, I was 27 years old. I looked like I was 40. Um, yeah. It's really interesting. So I'm 40 now and I feel like I look like I'm more like 30 than I do 40 because I'm actually putting things into my body that I need. So, you know, here we are chasing the fountain of youth, but really meanwhile, you know, we we're reversing that. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, there's just, there's so many avenues that we could go down L, but it, if there's women out there, even men, I know there's a lot of men that suffer with this too. I'm learning, but, and I also think it's extremely prevalent in, um, you know, being a trainer or a fitness coach or a nutritionist, suffering in silence is extremely common. And I also just want to say, like, if, if you're in that position, right, like out there listening, if you're a coach, if you're a trainer, if you're a fitness competitor, look, I feel you, I feel you. And if you even just want to reach out, like, I feel that that industry is breeding this. And so I really want to start with changing that. Like, we don't need to have six packs you know, trainers out there or coaches out there to, to coach our clients into health. We need education and experience and you need to educate yourself continually. You don't need a six pack. So that's an important key piece too, is that, you know, when you're looking for a trainer, when you're looking for a coach, when you're looking for a health expert, don't go looking for the abs, like look for the education and experience and knowledge. Um, because it's not always what it seems. Absolutely. Some of it's smoke yes. and mirrors. Um, tell yeah. us, I mean, you work, you can work with people. Um, well, you did a great summit a while back um, for women and just health yeah. in general. That uh, That's how we met. And then we yeah. talked thyroid and all of that and connected on some of that. And uh, you now have, again, this contrasting life experience. Um, you've been there in a lot of ways. So 
how do you work with people? Do you do in-person, always remote? Um, is there, uh, yeah, tell us, tell us how people can connect with you and they're, if they're like, oh, I need to talk to her. Yeah. Well, thanks, Al. Yeah, I work with people online. Um, I do have a few high-performing entre- entrepreneurs that you know I go and travel and, and work with one-on-one. Um, but most of my coaching is done um, online and virtual, which is super fun. Um, and I, I really do work with high-performing entrepreneurs and CEOs that are really trying to optimize their health span and really looking at longevity and creating health instead of just this like short-term quick fix. So that's not one for if you're looking for a short-term quick fix to get into a bikini, that's not me. But if you're looking to, you know, heal your body and you really want to optimize your health and work with someone that will hold you accountable, you know, in a way that you've never been held accountable before to get results that you've never gotten, that's me. I'm your girl. Um well but, and you have the body you have the bodybuilding background and the weight like yeah. you understand weights and that kind yeah. of even if it's not free or machines, but any kind of what you understand that more than other people do. So you have the other element of being able to offer that kind of, because people do, they're going to want the physique, but you're obviously going to be not telling them to do less and tilapia, you know, a different way now, but you do have yeah. that knowledge. And that's really important because, you know, listen, we also want that too. We want to know how to optimize our muscles and anatomy and you know it inside and out. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Unfortunately, Uh, through like a very sordid path. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but I do know that. And um, that is definitely a level of my, that's definitely a zone of genius for me. I can create wonderful, beautiful physiques healthfully now, keeping our biomarkers in, you know, the forefront and our health in the forefront. But like I said, now understanding creating health first and the function and optimizing function creates optimal form. It really does, Al. And so that's what I specialize in is keeping people as healthy as possible, but also like, Hey, yeah, we all want to look great because it helps us feel better and more confident. So why not have both, right? We can have both. And, um, I really enjoy doing that for people because it it does really increase our confidence and what we're capable of. I mean, walking into a boardroom, looking your best feels pretty good, you know, and also like, think about this too, you know, we have to be congruent. Like the outside gets to match the inside, right? And so sometimes when, you know, you feel like you really want to conquer the world and create huge impact and your body's not really keeping up with you, that's not congruency, right? So we get to align the two so that we can create a bigger impact. And that's what I do for people. I love it. Tell us where people can find you. And of course, we'll put uh, all this information in the show notes. Yeah, cool. So I super, I love hanging out on Instagram. It's my favorite. Um, it's Jennifer Luddington, pretty easy. Um, or my website's pretty easy too. It's jenniferluddington.com. Great. Thank you so much. Is there anything you'd like to leave our audience with? Yeah, I do. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you, Al. You inspire me and I, I'm, you know, I really dove in, dove into your work and thank you for doing what you're doing. I, I love it. Um, and secondly, you know, I just want to share with the audience, like give yourself some grace allow yourself some grace, you know, life is short and, and allow yourself a little bit of grace. You know, every day doesn't have to be perfect. You know, it just has to be better, right? We just have to keep going and trying to be better. And so I just want to leave your audience with that. Don't be so hard on yourself. Give yourself some grace. Thank you so much for joining us and everyone else. I will see you next week. Hey, Primal Blueprint listeners. Did you know that Primal Kitchen Collagen Peptides help support hair, skin, and nails? Well, we offer a variety of collagen products to suit everyone's palate, from unflavored to mango pineapple or golden turmeric to our keto matcha or chai tea collagen latte mixes and more. 
Visit us at primalkitchen.com and start fueling your day with collagen peptides. Hi folks, Mark Sisson here. If you found your way to the primal path and want to help others live primally too, then visit primalhealthcoach.com to learn how you can join our mission to help 100 million people reclaim their health and how you can turn your passion for wellness into a profitable health coaching career that you love. The world needs health coaches. The world needs you. So visit primalhealthcoach.com today to learn more.